thanks Ryan for coming on the Never Broke Up Again podcast where you're going to share your insights and tell people about the skills that you've acquired over your life so that you'll never go broke again. So happy to have you on. Happy you're able to connect. This is the first time Ryan and I have met. Um, we don't know anything about each other. I probably know a little bit more about Ryan than he knows about us, but we're happy to have him on. He's a rock star living down in Ocala on a farm. What what kind of farm are you are you on? You got horses or well, we have we have had that, but I say farm is ten acres. Uh, most people that I talk to, that's that's uh, a bigger area than what they're used to living on. So, uh, but we have had goats, cows, donkeys, horses. I have four sons, so they they took care of the animals mainly, and they're now grown and moved out. So we've kind of been uh, getting rid of all the animals. Are you talking about the kids or the animals, or are they all oh. lumped together? <laughs> Both. We still have some dogs and cats. Uh, the kids are not animals. They're great young men. They're all entrepreneurs. Uh, they were raised in an entrepreneurial family. And, uh, but, you know, we do live down in what is called horse country. So it's kind of what it's known for. Yeah. Ocala is definitely where I feel like they've had some winning horses come from there for some big, we have. Some big races from Ocala. And obviously that, that area is booming. Everyone's coming to Florida. Um, now after everything, but we're here to talk about Ryan, not to talk about Ocala or horses or things like that. And Ryan, you're, uh, what exactly it is are you working on now that has people wanting to know who you are? Obviously you've re- written five books. You got a lot going on. Um, but when I search you, like there's all sorts of different Ryan Chamberlain. So I want to know about you, not the, I don't think you're the politician that came up when I, I, I was searching for you. Well, that, that was me. Okay. <laughs> so you know, for 25 years, um, you know, a little bit about myself. I'm 48 years old. I've been married 28 years to uh, my high school sweetheart. And we have four sons. And for most of that that period, I w- I've been an entrepreneur. Um, like most entrepreneurs, had to learn some some lessons early on. But, but for the last several decades, have had what most considered a, a successful entrepreneurial career. That led me to authoring some books and, and some speaking and other things like that. Well, about three years ago, I was able to exit some businesses uh, after 20 plus years, uh, exited them at the right time, right place. And that also um, my ambitions for our country to help our country, you know, show themselves up. I decided to run for U.S. Congress. A, a seat opened up in this area. And so on a it's basically a national seat. Um, we were prepared to move to Dallas. I mean, not Dallas. I have a partner in Dallas, but prepared to move to D.C. and uh, assume that role. We did not quite make it uh, to didn't get the votes needed. And so we learned a lot, a lot of lessons. And I, we can talk about that. But, you know, if you Google my name, you'll probably see U.S. Congress, Florida. It was one of the most uh, highly competitive races in Florida and just a great time. Um and the person that won that seat, you know, we're friends with them. So everything's, everything's all good. But obviously, as an entrepreneur, it was the first time in my life where uh, at, up to that point, I kind of had an open uh, schedule. And so I really spent several months figuring out what I was going to do because w- we thought we were going to go to, uh, to D.C. But you asked me what I'm doing now that, that if people see, if they Google, they're going to probably see TPN, which stands for True Patriot Network. It's a new social media platform that's been in development for about a year and a half. 
It's an alternative to Facebook. It's not necessarily a Republican or Democrat platform, but it is built on uh, patriot principles, which I believe are, are our country is founded on entrepreneurial principles. So, mm-hmm. so it'll uh, it'll show itself. I'm sure everybody's going to hear about it pretty soon. We've got some big launch strategies coming up for it, but it's it's just coming out of its first main phase of development uh, in the App Store now. You see the website right on on here if you're watching this. GetTPN.net. You can download the app now and roll with it. But uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with that, and, and we believe it's it's going to be a massive project. And what did you learn running for Congress that you're now moving over to this TPN network? Was there something that was from that experience that you're looking to create on this new social platform? Or was this an idea that you just had that you're like, hey, I'm, I'm doing this? Well, there are a couple of answers to that question. Um, and uh, the first I'll answer your second question first. Uh, about a few years ago, right in the middle of my campaign is when uh, our president at that time got got canceled from his platform. Several mm-hmm. other conservative voices got canceled. And whether you're conservative or not, you should be concerned with uh, people's opinions getting canceled on on national platforms like that, you know, whether it's media or whatever. So I, I'm certainly not a fan of that. I think it, it threatens uh, free speech, which is a, a foundational principle of our country. So that certainly triggered myself. I'm not the only one that that helped launch a platform and and these platforms, the way we're going about it, it takes an extreme large amount of funding to make happen, especially yeah. if you're going to compete with some of the big players. So that that had to be secured, and we were fortunate to secure a very large amount of funding and make that happen. What I learned during the campaign that translates into this is that I'm a constitutional entrepreneur, mm-hmm. meaning I, I view what's going on through filters and as the way entrepreneurs think, our country was founded on entrepreneurial principles. Of course, the Constitution is a guiding document for that. So, you know, what I found out as I was campaigning, shaking hands with thousands of people, you know, definitely having hundreds and hundreds of conversations, is that those that own successful businesses, those that were entrepreneurial minded, whether they owned a business or not, processed what was going on in the country differently than those that didn't go down that path. So successful entrepreneurs uh, take on a different type of, you know, the the way that they process information that may be different. And I found out there was a clear distinction for me. And so someone that uh, is an entrepreneurial thinker, someone that believes in the principles of, of responsibility and some of the other things that, that we, you know, uh, are going to probably talk about today is probably going to think about the news differently. Uh, they're going to take it personally differently than someone that doesn't think down that path. It doesn't mean somebody's bad or good how they think, but there's definitely distinction. And some of that distinction is is causing some of the friction that we're feeling uh, in the marketplace. Yeah, totally. And I mean, free speech is super important. Like people definitely need to be able to share their views and thoughts. Do you feel like there's a fine line though between like free speech and like crossing a line and abusing free speech? Or do you feel like everyone should just have free speech regardless of what they're saying to the world? Well, I believe there's there's things that are already in law that are considered illegal to do. I don't think free speech means breaking the law. And, you know, Hollywood, for example, I would consider Hollywood as free speech is 
is, I mean, they'd say and do whatever they want to do, but yeah. even Hollywood knows that a PG movie should only have certain things in it. Right. So an R rated movie, and then it goes on up from there, a G rated movie. So even Hollywood knows that you have to regulate what you're going, the content you're going to put out there in the marketplace, because it does cross a line. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that approach um, is more along the lines And free speech isn't the only, the only uh, reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now. That certainly is an important one. But I, you know, I, you asked me what I learned during my congressional race. Um, and I learned that, that people are operate people that operate based on their values or they should operate based on their values, you know, uh, really are the ones that are, are making things happen in this world. And so it's a TPN's a values driven platform, mm -hmm. but hopefully that answered your question about, you know, my position on free speech. I, you know, I think there's some, uh, you know, for example, threats, uh, life threats, you know, that's not appropriate. You know, that, yeah, some that's, not, would that's argue, not cool. Would argue that that's free speech. I would say that it's not, you know, when you start to um, cancel or filter people's opinions on a topic, that is where I think the, the big distinction of, of free speech comes into play. Mm -hmm. And being that you've ran for office, I mean, how many people do you meet? that you felt like were uninformed because they, perhaps they're not getting the correct information because the narrative of how these outlets want people to view things, they can definitely distort people's perceptions. Well, I, a lot of people are, are uninformed uh, because they rely on a, a media outlet or outlets that or a specific one. They only hear one opinion and they're hearing an opinion over and over again. I mean, the media knows that what you hear over and over again, you'll eventually believe. So there's an agenda behind a lot of what's going on on both sides. So people really have to um, go back to what they value. What And most people haven't taken the time to figure out what they value is what I find and what's important to them. And if they really did and, and they forgot about um, party just for a moment and just listen to the information that was coming and made a list of what they really personally agreed with and didn't agree with, they would probably be shocked at which side of the aisle they would end up being on. And I think we're seeing a major shift in that. People are just tired. You know, trust is a big factor that's been violated over and over and over and over again. And so that's what we're witnessing a lot of in the marketplace today. And entrepreneurs, I believe, are the solution. I just authored a book called or co-authored a book called Think Big, and it, it hit just two months ago. I'm one of many authors, uh, Brian Tracy, a few others that people know of authored this with us. And my chapter in here, the, the part that I wrote in there really is, can entrepreneurism be the answer to America's biggest problems? And I believe it can be. And matter of fact, TPN, for example, is an entrepreneurial solution to a problem that's going on in the marketplace. And entrepreneurs are creators. Uh, they create things and they can either create things that for the good or things that aren't for the good. And, you know, it depends on where you want to go. Yeah. I mean, most things are created for good, but then they can get abused over time. I mean, you, you said you had four kids, four sons, right? I do. Yeah. Four sons. I mean, how has that being a parent impacted your decision-making and, creating this new network for people to hop onto? Has that had any influence well, certainly, on you? 
certainly in, in even my run for Congress, uh, yeah, I've been a stay-at-home dad since I was 26 years old because of business, uh, the types of businesses that I've worked with, built, count, consulted on. Uh, I believe in creating leverage. And so just about everything that I have participated in for the last 25 years has helped me create some sort of leverage. And that has allowed me to be involved in my kid's life. That was one of the reasons why I went down that path. And uh, so I'm one of those dads that's hand on. We homeschooled all four of our kids. My wife really, I was in charge of field trips. She really handled the homeschooling part. But but I, I've seen hand in hand what, what co- having conversations with your kids, how much that can mean. And so let's not all parents can do that. And I'm not saying that all should or you should feel guilty if you can't do the way that we did. But le- leaving the school system up to having all the conversations or leaving, you know, TikTok or whatever social media being responsible for all the input that our kids get is probably not wise. Most parents would agree with that. And so uh, part of what we've done with TPN is trying to bring a more leveled, I don't mind if my kids hear both sides, but I'm going to help them understand how I think about it. They're probably going to end up making up their own decision because I can't make it for them. Mm-hmm. But they need to hear both sides. They can't just hear one side. So all these factors as a father, someone that wants to raise value, you know, kids that that have values and and, and know what they believe, um, that's played a factor in everything I've done the last several years. Yeah, that's super cool. What would you... What would you say to someone? Maybe they're working like a corporate job, making like two hundred fifty grand a year, but they don't see their family. Versus, if they took a more entrepreneurial mindset and had to take like a huge pay cut but get their time back, what would you say to that kind of person that might be listening to this? Well, I, I would say that um, again, and I've worked with lots of people and, and coached lots of people in those situations. One is most. You have to ask yourself, what do you value? If you really value spending time with your kids, but you never see them because you're always working and you're working because you feel like you need to provide for your family. However, there's a conflict. You know, there's other decisions that are, you know, creating conflict. You're going to feel conflict probably the rest of your life if you stay in that situation. Yeah, And it's going to be frustrating. It's going to tear on you. It's going to wear on you. And there probably will be some regrets involved in that scenario. And so I don't suggest you go out and just absolutely quit immediately everything you do, but, but begin to take steps towards creating a little bit more leverage. I know that's what you guys do at 369. Uh, you, you help people do that. And, and the things that you guys are all about um, help people think that that way, but there are ways there, there are simple ways to take baby steps towards kind of reclaiming your financial security so that you don't feel like you have to trade 80 hours a week just to provide your basics for the family and then give up the entire relationship in the process. So I would definitely encourage people, you know, if you're feeling frustrated constantly year after year, after year, after year, after year, it's because you're not, your values aren't in alignment. What you're doing on a daily basis is not really in sync with what you value. And that's where big regrets come. And, um, Anyway, I know it's tough, but I, I know that there's also ways you can take steps and a year from now, two years from now, you feel completely different. Yeah. What would that first step be for most people? The first step is deciding, um, you know, what you want the end to look like in sight. You know, clarity is a big deal. Uh, I co-wrote a book 
called Becoming a Strategic Networker with a friend of mine named Tony Jiri. Uh, the premise of his book, uh, and he's written 60 or 70 books, but the whole thesis of it is clarity, focus, and execution are the three items that we have to have to be successful in anything. And so clarity is number one, getting clear about what you want. Um, and I mean really clear, not just saying I need, I want a, a million dollars. You know, what, what is behind that decision? What's the lifestyle? What, what ultimately are you looking for? And then be, align yourself with somebody that you believe can help you move towards that, that that's either there or an expert in helping you get there and, and seek counsel with them. You know, I don't, I don't want to necessarily tell you exactly which path to take, because I think there's a lot of ways to, I think there's a lot of ways to get there, but most people are just not taking steps that they're not, uh, they haven't defined clearly where they want to go. They haven't aligned themselves with somebody that can help them get there so that they're creating an accountability system, so to speak with relationships come accountability. That's why the people we spend time with end up helping us get to wherever we're at and, and generally not any further than, than that. And so, um, that, that would be my first couple of steps. Gotcha. And at what point in your entrepreneurial journey, Ryan, did you like, felt like you hit a wall? Like, did, cause everyone hits a wall at some point, regardless of well, who they are. What think, was, was there like a time that that happened to you that sticks out in your mind? Well, the yes. Uh, and I think that um, if you really, really interview most people that are driven, uh, they're going to tell you that every few years there's a wall. And the wall is the next level of where you want to go, what you want to be. Elon Musk is hitting a wall right now <laughs> with, you know, where he's at. And he's he's the richest man in the world at the moment. So there's walls that we hit. Now, the first major breakthrough wall or two happened for me uh, probably at 21, 22 years old. Uh, the second one happened at about 25 and, and I got a lot of traction out of those first two. The first one happened, uh, at my church, my pastor, uh, ran, I go to a fairly large Pentecostal church here in central Florida. And he, you know, this is uh, the nineties in the mid nineties or so John Maxwell had just come out with the book, 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. Mm -hmm. And he, he bought the VHS box. And every week he invited people that wanted to go through leadership development to come in and go through that course. And that had an impact on me uh, at a young age because I'd never done anything like that. I mean, I graduated college magna cum lucky. It wasn't a great experience for me. Um, I struggled as an entrepreneur early on. You know, I spent more than I made constantly. I was in debt constantly. Uh, I made decisions that that really weren't in alignment with my values constantly. And the law of the lid, law number one, beginning to focus on leadership, not because I wanted to be a leader, but the attributes of a leader really are qualities that help create, you know, create, build you as a person that people would want to be in business with. Mm -hmm. And so that mindset shift at a young age caused me to want to, where I hated to read books, it caused me to want to read books. Uh, you know, this is before Facebook, the internet, before YouTube was really rolling, before Audible was going, you know, back when you had to actually read if you wanted to read. 
um, a book. Or cassette tapes. And yeah, they did have some cassettes, but nothing like it wasn't just as prevalent as it is today. Um, and so that caused me to, that helped me go down that path. Uh, I joined a few direct sale companies early in my early years that helped me um, lock in the personal development. And, and I found some mentors in uh, that had been successful in many businesses that I began to pay attention to and get to know. So between 21 and 24, 25, that was kind of an incubation period. And from about 25 on, um, things started to make, things started to work, you know, as I worked them. So, you know, those were, those were the wall. Those were some early walls. They were mindset walls more than anything. They weren't really how to, mm-hmm. although I had to learn how to, they were really mindset, but you know, if how to's were enough, we'd all be rich because, you know, Barnes and Noble's full got racks of how to do, how to get rich books, how to invest books. How, there's no lack of, imp- of how to information. Google's nothing but a how to uh, machine. Uh, YouTube's a how to machine. Yet we got the same percentage of people that are millionaires that <laughs> uh, today that were, you know, before any of it's, you know, we got more of them because the, the population keeps going up. But there's a percentage and, you know, a lot of that's going to be mindset in addition to the how to that's going to help you get the breakthrough. Yeah. And what, what were your values growing up? Like most 21 to 25 are just like, I want to conquer the well, world. I mean, I had I had heavy influence from church, uh, from my mm-hmm. church organization. Uh, that gave me, I believe, a good solid foundation of biblical values, which I now a lot of those are biblical entrepreneurial values. Uh, I do some teaching on biblical entrepreneurship and a lot of that come, you know, it, it's right there. I mean, the stuff that we read about in, in most success books, you can point back to, you know, you can find scripture on it if that's what you want. So, you know, when, when you do attend church on a regular basis, a good church, you, you're going to hear stuff uh, regularly your whole life. And I was very fortunate enough to be, be raised in, in that. So that would be considered my, my, you know, biblical foundational values, which family is an important one to that. Uh, financial freedom was a value for me early on. Matter of fact, uh, when I was 21 years old, 20 years old, someone bought me a Franklin planner, okay, a physical Franklin planner. And I, I used it for a year. And I don't know what I was planning because I had nothing going on, but I used it for a year. <laughs> Uh, and the next year, you know, I noticed I had, I was really no better off than I had been the previous year. So I went to buy a, like a refill for the planner. And in the, the back of the planner was like a, how to use the planner guide. It was like a 10 or 20 page guide. And I never read, I should have read the guide to begin with, but I waited till after a year or two of using it to read the guide. And that guide walked me through actually physically writing out my values writing out my roles, writing out my goals, and making sure that my goals were in alignment with my values. And so it, it clicked with me. It made sense to me that a lot of my goals um, that I was chasing were more ego-driven goals than they were value-driven. And so you know, I just made those shifts early on and have just continued to – You know, I haven't arrived, by the way. You've probably interviewed people – by the world standards, far more successful financially than, than I have been, although we've done well and we are, uh, don't plan on, you know, 
needing to be broke ever again, if yeah. you know, based on based on this. But you know, a lot of that's mindset too. You know, uh, being broke and and you know finding yourself with without all the financial resource. If if all the financial resources went away today, how long would it take me to get it back? Uh, because you know, I think you've learned lessons. The people you interview on this learn lessons where if you took everything away from them, it wouldn't be very long before they'd have it back because they have, they've learned to operate based on values and principles. Yeah. So just having those principles that you do every single day, regardless, as long as you keep doing those principles, you'll get the outcome that you want. Yeah. That's, that's what you're saying. Correct. I believe that. Yes. Gotcha. And it's very interesting that you said that when you started, they had VHS and cassette tapes. And if you don't know what that is, Google it. You can just pull out your phone and Google it. How come there aren't more millionaires? Because people have access to more information, yet the outcome is pretty much the same. Well, a lot of it is because what people think they need and what they actually need are two different things. And nobody really wakes up in the morning saying, and I say nobody, most people don't wake up saying, I need to fix a habit. Hmm. I need to fix a bad habit. Um, I need to go find me a habit book. You know, Atomic Habits would be a good one. Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Those books are number one bestsellers, but but most people don't wake up thinking that. Most people wake up thinking, um, I need to go learn a new technique or I need to uh, become viral on social media. How do, what are the, what, what's the course I need to learn that? None of that's bad, by the way, to learn those skill sets. But if, for example, we're lacking the discipline to stick with something, we're lacking the ability to, you know, if we're starting and stopping, starting and stopping, if, if, if we're, if we are kind of, trying stuff out, but there's never any confidence in ourself. Um, you know, how are we ever really going to expect to attract, attract people to, to be a part of whatever journey we're on? Cause we all, you know, generally speaking, we're building teams and we're, we're figuring out in life, we're building the team around us, whether it's a business or just a personal team, or we're, you know, figuring out who we're going to listen to, to give us the advice that's going to guide us. And there's so many experts out there that haven't done anything. And so I think that's, you know, that's a big part of it is, you know, people shouldn't read everything, you know, that's thrown their way without knowing the success that's backing up what's being said in that book. Because if it's just someone that hasn't done it, that's regurgitating the same information, that's probably not going to to help you as much as you think it is. So that's my take on it. Um, I think the numbers are are the, are the numbers. It it's it, it boils down to you know uh, consistency, persistency, um, inner circle who we're spending time with. You know, us of course having a good plan. Generally speaking, if we have a bad plan, our inner circle will help weed us away from that bad plan. And so there's, you know, in simplicity, um, it, it's all back to principles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, everyone's going to get bad advice. There's no way around it. Do you remember like the worst advice someone ever gave you that you had to learn the hard way or you were able to avoid that situation? 
Um, probably the worst advice I ever had was to borrow money to get myself out of, you know, to, to go into partnerships with the wrong people to help me relieve myself of a financial immediate financial problem. And so I was so blinded by an immediate financial problem that I didn't really vet the situation. I just went along with, um, a, a scenario that provided me some instant relief, but it caused me five years of frustration. Hmm. What, what ultimately happened there? What ultimately happened, you know, partnerships, again, I'm, I'm not enemies with, with anybody. We, we, we've, I've ended, had to start and stop a few different business ventures throughout the years. And we always, you know, I really don't have any enemies from that standpoint, or I don't feel like I do. Uh, but, you know, if you're not in alignment with the people you're doing business with from a value standpoint, day in and day out, eventually that partnership more than likely will come to an end and it will, it will, you will learn lessons. So that's the good part about it. You'll learn some things not to do in the future, but you just end up, you know, having to move away. Both parties end up having to move away because it, it's inevitable. It's just not going to be something that lasts for a long time. And so I'd say be be very, very cautious of who you who you get married to in business. Be very, very cautious of how you uh, take on debt. You know, there's biblical principles towards that and how you uh, think about that. Make sure you're counseling very, very with the right people on the, that kind of topic, because those decisions really can can force you to um, have to spend your time doing things that you may or may not want to be doing. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, this is, we only get one shot at this and you only have so many 10 year increments of life that are going to be productive. It's pretty easy to waste some of them on unproductive things. Yeah, totally. Are you familiar with the, uh, what is it? The principle of the divided cloth? Cause he's mentioned lots of principles from uh, your spiritual side of your life. Is that something the divided clock? I have not heard that that term. Okay. Well, basically, it's like, all right, Ryan, you know, here's my here's my water bottle. Ryan says the whole thing's mine, and I mm -hmm. and I'm Josh. I'm like, no, half of it's mine. Well, I only want half, so Ryan's gonna get half automatically, and then we're gonna split the half that we're disputing. I found that interesting when I read about it, and that's from the old days. Yeah. Interesting. So I thought you might have known that. Yeah, no. Divided clock. I'm gonna write it down though. Sweet. And speaking of successful partnerships, you said you were married 28 years. How did you choose your wife in high school? <laughs> we're going back. Um, yeah, we're, we're going back in time. Yeah, we we dated on and off from 16 to 20, and then we're married at 20. Um, you know, you just, you, I don't know how to, it, that's, I'm not asked that question very often uh, on a live, live call, but you know, uh, the simple answer is I don't, I don't, at that age, in that moment in time, you, you absolutely don't know what marriage is about. You don't know what you're getting yourself into good or bad at that point. You're just in love with with the person and, uh, or, or what you think love is at that moment. And 
thank God we were in alignment in our values with where we wanted to, to go. That's not to say that, that I'm not a human being. Uh, anyone that's been married 28 years has probably had to work through some things in their marriage uh, to stay married. I don't think you stay married on accident these days. Uh, I think it happens on purpose. And there's some challenges. We certainly have had, there have been a few of those 28 years that uh, we've had to work through things or, or it, you know, it just wouldn't have made it. Um, but we chose to work through it. And um, for the most part, I mean, I can't imagine not being married to my wife because that's really all. It's been the majority of my life at this moment. We have children, awesome children together. And now we're empty net, becoming empty nesters. Our youngest graduated high school last year. So, um, you know, how do you know? I, I think from our scenario, you're, you're, we were, we met in church. We had similar values. We, there was prayer involved in the decision. Um, and I think once the decision's made, then it's, then it's a decision. It's a commitment decision. And I, listen, I, I'm not uh, getting on to anybody for any bad things that have happened to them in their marriage. But you asked me the question, and I, I think that you, you, uh, you just you just have to feel your way through that that situation and get as much counsel early on before you make that final decision as possible. Yeah, and it's so important because like nowadays people feel like everything's instant. Like if I want a new relationship. I could go on my phone and find one probably before dinner tonight. However, you got to find someone that's willing to work with you when the good times are good and the bad times are bad. And ultimately having that level of transparency to get you both through the wall, not just like I'm going to run through the wall and I'm going to leave you behind. And it seems like that's what you and your wife has worked through to have four kids that are on the right path and to get you where you are currently in your position because no one really knows where they're going. They yeah. just know they want to go somewhere. And then ultimately one day you look back, whether you're 30, 40, 20, you're like, man, I, I never thought I'd be here. That's the way it is. It moves fast. No doubt about it. So, I mean, how do you remain present? Because time is always going so quickly. Like, do you do anything to reflect on that since you are a spiritual guy? Well, True. I mean, that's a good, good question. Uh, how do I do it? Is to in today in uh, 2022, uh, I'm more careful about what I say yes to, because whatever I say yes to means I'm saying no to something else. So every project goes through kind of a filtering process, and I, I don't say yes to everything anymore. Um, especially things that I know are going to take on an ongoing amount of my time. Very careful of that. I strategically uh, block daily time into my calendar for my family. It, it's an appointment. These are, they, I don't, I purposely don't work around the clock on purpose. And I have found that it, yes, I mean, you got to get things done, but I really try to look for pockets uh, of time when maybe I can't be with my family to to get aggressive with certain things. And there's, I just work a little bit smarter with my time and then strategically make sure that there's more family time um, put in. When you say present, that's what I think of present because when I'm, when I'm uh, 
prioritizing my time. If, if I'm on a business project, I need to be present with that business project all in. Mm-hmm. When I'm with my family, I need to not be working on business. You know, I tend to like, I like to leave my phone in the other room when I'm at the dinner table these days. And I didn't do that as a young man. I didn't. And, and I, you know what? The people will be there when I'm done eating dinner. The problem will still be there probably whether I answer the call during dinner or if I wait till after. And so I've learned to, to accept that for what it is and it allows me to focus on, you know, the people that are in front of me at that moment in time. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think it's cool what you're doing with the gettpn.net. It's an alternative social media platform that isn't going to censor all the info. And it sounds like you're looking to not make it inclusive for just one person, but for as many voices as possible. And it'll ultimately let people choose what is most important to them based on their values, not the media's values. So that's it. It's an invitation only platform. That's why this link right here is is my invitation link. So generally speaking, uh, the only way people get on the platform is if they're invited by somebody. And when you get an account, you'll get your own invitation link. So we invite you to, to test it out, spread the word, and to help be a part of something special. Sweet. Glad to have you on, Ryan. Enjoy the rest of your day and look forward to... Uh, seeing what you got going on in a year from now, see where the gettpn.net work goes. Josh, thanks for having me on, my friend. All right. See you, Ryan. Bye-bye.